You are listening to Seattle Growth Podcast. Seattle Growth Podcast. Available free on iTunes. Free on iTunes. That's a mashup of the singing voices of Portia Shaw and Andre Brown, two rising actors in Seattle's musical theater community, a nationally renowned community, which is the focus of today's episode of Seattle Growth Podcast. I'm Jeff Shulman. And today I'll be giving you an inside look at a musical theater scene that has produced 17 new musicals during those 18 years. Nine of those shows went from our stage to Broadway, and two of them won the Tony Award for Best Musical. And As highlighted by today's guest, David Armstrong, executive producer and artistic director of Fifth Avenue Theater. Today we continue the exploration of the past, present, and future of Seattle's music scene. In this fourth season of Seattle Growth Podcast, you've heard from established artists such as Jason Finn of the platinum-selling Presidents of the United States of America. You've heard from emerging artists such as Dave B., who has performed on Jimmy Fallon's Tonight Show. You've heard from industry leaders such as inaugural Seattle Music Commissioner Devon Manier. You've heard from artists leaving Seattle, such as Afro-folk singer Naomi Washira. And you've heard from artists moving to Seattle in hopes of taking the next step in their musical careers, such as Tekla Waterfield. Combined, the voices are painting a picture of what it is like to be involved in Seattle's music scene and how that is changing as our city experiences an unprecedented boom. Today's episode gives you further perspective on the soul of Seattle's music community, and it draws attention to one of Seattle's nationally recognized art and entertainment options. To get insight into the business of musical theater and how it is changing in a booming economy, join me as I sit down with David Armstrong. I am here with David Armstrong, the executive producer and artistic director at Fifth Avenue Theater, one of the premier places to catch musical theater here in Seattle. David, thank you for joining me today. It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. So you've been here almost 18 years now. That's and, right. And accomplished a lot. And I just want to hear from you. What are you most proud of in your time here at the Fifth Avenue Theater? So many things I'm proud of. It's been really an incredible experience. It was really the, I knew when I took the job, even without knowing what it would come into, that it was an opportunity of a lifetime, that there was this amazing theater, this uh, amazing audience for musical theater here in the Northwest, and the ability to collaborate with that audience over the past 18 years to build and grow this theater and its impact that it's had on uh, on not just on Seattle, but really on the world of musical theater has been really, really fulfilling. And I guess a couple of the things that stand out are our impact that we've had on, in terms of developing new musicals. I could not be happier and in some ways more surprised to be able to say 18 years later that we have produced 17 new musicals during those 18 years. Nine of those shows went from our stage to Broadway, and two of them won the Tony Award for Best Musical, and that was an incredible track record. One that if you'd asked me when I got here 18 years ago, I would never have said anything nearly that ambitious. It really has just been, we've been, it's a lot of hard work and a lot of luck, like I guess any success in, in any endeavor. You have to have those two things come together. And it's really just been much more than I ever would have dreamed of. And so take me back to 2000 and 2001 when you're, you're getting started here at the Fifth Avenue Theater. What was the musical theater community like? What were your first impressions moving here? It's interesting. I came here in August of 2000, 
and had been here the year earlier to direct a show. So I had a little sense of, of Seattle, but actually very little sense, and then went through a sort of extensive interview process to be the artistic director. And so during that time, it was several trips to Seattle and, of course, doing a lot of research because I wanted to get the job. So I tried to find out as much as I could about this area, this theater. And I think that's changed substantially. It was There was always a tremendous amount of interest. The theater, the Fifth Avenue Theater, was very successful at the time and had a huge audience, but it was mostly doing shows, presenting shows that had, had initiated somewhere else. Either they were touring productions that came from Broadway or they had a partnership with Theater Under the Stars in Houston where shows would start, they'd produce them there and then repeat them in Seattle. And one of the things that I was tasked to do by the board of directors when I was hired was to put the focus on producing theater in at the Fifth Avenue and starting it in Seattle and initiating our own theater from our own company. And that was exciting to me. I knew that was a really exciting uh, challenge. At that time, very little of what we did was initiated and produced here. And now almost everything we do is a Fifth Avenue production. And probably the biggest change is that 95% of the performers on our stage are Seattle-based artists now of world-class quality. We don't have to worry about compromising the quality in order to, to use our incredible talent pool that we have here. When you first started in, the, in your role in 2000 and uh, in those early years, was there a lot of people, a lot of the talent from Seattle, or did you draw it from around the Country. There was we did we had to draw a lot from the from the, from around the country because there there was really good talent here. What we've quickly discovered is in order to utilize that talent, we had to change our schedule and we had to cast things much further out. So we would now we now cast things and have for the past you know fifteen years or so a year in advance so that we can make sure we can tie down those really great performers here and commit them before they get committed to other projects. That's like the opposite of when you're trying to cast somebody from New York who you can't get anybody to commit to anything uh, until maybe two months before the show happens because they're waiting to see what else is going to happen. So we had to figure out a way to make those two sort of divergent things happen. And then we've done a lot of uh, work partly just by employing people. We've we've built the talent pool here because people know that there's work here and they either come to Seattle. We've had a lot of New York talent that has moved to Seattle much of it because we've hired them to do something at the Fifth Avenue and they've fallen in love with Seattle and they've fallen in love with the Fifth and they see that there's you know a good amount of work here between us and the other theater companies and they decide to move here. Or people train here, go to, our, to the Cornish or the UW or go off to college and then come back to Seattle because they know that it's possible for performers to make a living here. And that's very unusual. I always say there's only three great theater towns in the United States. There's New York, there's Chicago, and there's Seattle. And those are the only three communities in this country where there is a quantity and quality of theater that will provide regular employment for a large number of theater artists. Not Los Angeles? Not Los Angeles at all. If you want to be in the movies or television, absolutely, but not for theater artists. And most theater artists who go to L.A. don't want to do theater because they went there to try to get into the movies or television. You've created a system where you're actually feeding some of these plays and this content to Broadway. Is the talent that you're discussing, are you feeding them onto the next stage, or are you holding on to them and, and enjoying their performances here? Both, actually. Almost every new musical that we've sent to Broadway has gone from our stage to New York, has taken Seattle-based talent with them. 
which were originally cast here and the creators of that show fell in love with them and they've gone on to Broadway. Some of them are still on Broadway. The production of Aladdin that's on Broadway still has a fantastic Seattle-based actor as one of the stars in it uh, to this day. But we've also seen many of those actors then come back to Seattle because they ultimately are in love with with this area. So it's sort of a circle and we're very encouraging to have people go and do what they what they want to do and we sort of feel confident that they'll they'll come back we'll get them back again and that's been a great cycle we have people who go back and forth between seattle and new york all the time and sort of have a bi-coastal career and we're the other coast rather than los angeles in these 18 years you're you've changed the direction of the fifth avenue theater have you seen any changes that you've had to react to any changes as our city's grown so much Yes and no. Uh, I think we're still trying to figure out what this is really true of every theater company, probably every kind of endeavor is, you know, the demographics of our audience have changed. We have some of it in a good way. We actually have some very lucky things. We have uh, the aging of the baby boom, as which is, I think, going to be a, a, a very good thing for us, actually, because as this audience that's very uh, grew up and was uh, sort of weaned on musical theater has more time and more leisure and, and frankly, you know, money, that will create even a, a, a bigger audience for us. But probably most importantly is this millennial generation, which has, which unlike the generation right before it, grew up with musical theater as part of its sort of DNA, mostly starting with those Disney movies from the Renaissance, from Little Mermaid and uh, on. That has continued through those Disney movies, through High School Musical, through Glee, through right up to Hamilton, basically. It's sort of creating the second musical theater renaissance. But as with all endeavor, tapping into that audience, making sure we know that audience wants to come. Making sure they know about what we're doing is the challenging thing. So marketing has been a, a big challenge for us. I think we're quite successful at it, but we never feel successful. We always feel behind the eight ball. How can we get the word out about what we're doing? The worst thing and the most common thing that happens to us is people say, oh, I really want to see that show. And I have to say, well, it closed two weeks ago because somehow we just haven't gotten on their radar with so much competition for people's attention these days that the old ways of marketing theater have and are evolving every day. And so let's talk about your talent and where you're drawing it from. You mentioned Cornish and you mentioned the University of Washington. What are you seeing in terms of where do the people get developed enough to be able to appear on your stage? Most of the time, uh, most performers today go to college, go to one of the one of the top training programs. There are a lot of musical theater, uh, very very fine musical theater programs across the country. Probably the most famous or the most vital at the moment are Michigan, uh, CCM, the University of Cincinnati College Conservatory of Music, uh, and there's a number of others: Northwestern, Carnegie Mellon. So most performers develop an interest when they're in high school go off to college, get trained, and then come back to us. Now, many of them have been involved with us during their high school years because we have our all our education programs, which is another thing to answer your initial question that I'm most proud about is the incredible impact we've had on young people. Uh, we Our education programs touch about 50,000 kids every year in very meaningful ways. And one of the, again, a real specific point of pride 
17 years later, some of the performers that are most beloved by our audience started off as high school kids on our stage in the Fifth Avenue Theater Awards. And that's fantastic. And with all the people and money moving in, in roughly the last six years or so, what opportunities has that created for you? It's created a lot of perplexity about how to make sure that audience knows what we're doing, how to get in front of them. It's, you know, we know that we have a, a big um, a big tent, and we draw people from all over the place, from five states, come to the Fifth Avenue Theater. and But sometimes getting people from across the street is the hardest thing to do, is to make sure that they know what's happening. So I don't know that I have a specific answer for you in terms of, you know, of especially the all the people have come here to work in the tech fields over the last uh several years and will continue over the next couple of years. We're going to have a huge, we're going to have 18 floors of Amazon across the street in two years. So it'll be very interesting to see how that uh, impacts what we're doing. You're stepping down at the end of this season. What do you see as the legacy that you've built? And what do you see, you know, 10 years from now, what's the Fifth Avenue Theater and the, the musical theater community here in Seattle going to look like? I know I'll be leaving a very strong theater company and a theater company that's having a real impact. Uh, I certainly would not be stepping down if I thought that wasn't the case uh, because, you know, the legacy is important to me. This is this is a theater that's been around in one shape, form or another for, you know, more than 90 years. And, uh, and as a producing theater company, now, uh, go, you know, 25 years or so. So I I would like to think that 25 years in the future, 50 years in the future, the Fifth Avenue Theater, and it will constantly have to reinvent itself as we've done. It won't be exactly the same theater company. It won't be doing what we're doing in the exact same way we're doing it now. But on the other hand, the rudiments of theater, the basic what we do as a theater company is really no different than the Greeks uh, 4,000 years ago. So Ultimately, what theater is, is live actors on stage in front of an audience telling a story. It's storytelling. And that's why I think it is a timeless art form that will never go out of style and that technology ultimately can affect because the, the essence of it is this sort of direct communication between the, between the audience and the, and the actors. And that the more our world gets technical, the more technology takes over, the more people will value human, authentic experiences. And that's what theater has to offer, that nothing else can. So film and television, all those things may evolve and change into other things. But the essence of theater uh, will, I think, always be the same and always be valuable. So let's talk about kind of the musical theater community and the larger music community here in Seattle producing hip-hop, uh, jazz, um, all sorts of different creative sounds coming out of Seattle. Do those two communities collide and intersect in any ways? There is a certain amount of it, although sort of like high school people stay in their, in their groups a little more than you, would, than you would hope they would. And even within the performing arts community, uh, often, you know, different kinds of, of disciplines have don't interact as much as they as they should or could. I think Seattle's a step ahead in that, and we've done a lot. Uh, I've been happy to help uh, 
to affect that situation, one of the things that's happening right now is we're doing this uh, Seattle Celebrate Shakespeare Festival. And this is an all-city festival. There's more than, uh, there's almost 30 organizations involved in it. And it really runs the gamut between, of the, all the performing arts, including jazz, including burlesque, including all the theater companies, the symphony, the ballet, everybody is involved in this. And part of the focus of that is to uh, shine a spotlight on the world-class performing arts that we have here in Seattle that are truly exceptional and that sometimes people who live in Seattle take it for granted. I don't think they understand how special what we have here is compared to other places in the country. I think that the, the pop music world and the theater world is probably the most distant at the moment, although every once in a while there'll be something that sort of breaks that down. Although, you know, I have to say that uh, w we end up with every pop, every local sort of uh, music star uh, sitting in our audience at one time or another. Whether it's Eddie Vedder, whether it's Macklemore, they're sitting in our audience a couple times a year to see what we're doing. And I think that's very natural. And of course, our audience is sitting in their audience at some point, and our, our performers are sitting in their audience. So I do think there is a, a sense of appreciation that goes on. Any concluding thoughts? It's been an incredible almost 18 years. It'll be very close to it when I step down. And it has really, without a doubt, been the highlight of, of my professional career. And I hope that I will go on to other highlights of things that, will, that I will be very, very proud of. But I know that this is something very, very special. This theater is something special. The community here, the actors, the singers, the dancers, the stagehands, the, everybody who works backstage, the musicians, we have a resource here that is truly richer than any other city in America other than New York or Chicago. And I guess my message always to people is, I hope people can learn to appreciate that, that they do appreciate it, and if they don't appreciate it, they can learn to appreciate it, because it's something very special and sort of like other natural uh, you know, resources. It's not something that's gonna be there all the time without it being nurtured and without it being you know, cherished and, and protected. David, thank you very much for joining me today. I appreciate your time and perspective. My pleasure. You are listening to Seattle Grove Podcast, available free on iTunes. Now to get insight from one of the actors drawn to the promise of Seattle's musical theater scene from across the country, join me as I sit down with Portia Shaw. I'm here with Portia Shaw. She is a master's student at University of Washington's prestigious Masters of Fine Arts program. She's also been in the local news lately for her performances in the local musical theater scene and also as a, an artist of many hats, actually. So, Portia, thank you for joining me today. Thank you for having me. Why don't you start by telling me a little bit about yourself? I am from Texas. I grew up with a single mother household. I have been doing art ever since I could think of. Like I started off in church choir and then school choir and then theater and, and it just kind of keeps going on from there. Um, I moved to Seattle two and a half years ago and to complete my master's degree. And um, I love dogs and chocolate. <laughs> so KUOW listed you as one of five artists that people in Seattle should get to know. Mm -hmm. You got rave reviews in a variety of, of media outlets for your performance in Hoodoo Love. What's going through your head as you're getting recognition for your passion here? 
Well, I'm very, very honored, first and foremost. Um, I feel like a, I come from a small city in Texas, so I'm like, me? Really? Um, so it's very like flattering and just wonderful, I think. And I also am excited about it because I feel like there aren't that many um, artists of color who get recognized like that. And I feel like now I have the opportunity to work with a lot of different people because people are like, oh, you should get to know her. And I'm like, oh, really? I just want to get to get to know you guys. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I feel excited about it and nervous about it, too, because now I'm like, oh, I got to be good in everything that I'm in now. <laughs> so. <laughs> and what kind of doors have opened up since your performance and since the recognition that you're getting? I had a lot of casting directors from some of the big theater houses in town come and see Who to Love this summer. So that's got me into a lot of auditions, which is the best thing an actor could ask for. Um, and also people have just been randomly reaching out to me, like you, who were like, hey, I'm doing something. Would you like to be a part of it? And I'm like, yes, 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 I would love to do it. Um, so yeah, I feel like I'm getting more opportunities to do things that I wouldn't have been able to do without doing that show this summer, which I'm so grateful I was, I had the opportunity to do that. Tell me about your journey. How did you get into that show? So Malika Oyetaman was also in the master's program at UW. She was a director. Um, I worked with her on a, most of her shows that she did at the school. And then when she was casting for Who Do We Love, I auditioned for her at the school and she was like, hey, I want you to be in it. And I was like, okay, great. I'm going to be here this summer. So that's, that's pretty much it. I just knew the director because she was in school with me. And what brought you to the University of Washington in Seattle in particular? Well, I worked in Santa Fe with John Jory, and he used to work here for a decade. He used to be um, one of the teachers in the master's program. And Valerie Curtis Newton is highly, he loves her. He highly regards her, who was the head of the program at the time. Um, and she's African-American as well. So that, and that's like, I don't know if there is another African-American head of theater in the United States. Um, and Seattle is one of the cities I've always wanted to live in because I love this coast. So it was like anything on this coast and anything that is near water, I wanted to do. Plus Val was head of the program. So, And, and so why does it matter to you that an African-American is the head of a theater program? I hear a lot of stories from other, from my other friends who are also getting their master's in actings who have, not that this is everybody, who have really interesting um, situations come up when they are being cast they're only seen for the african-american roles and i thought oh i knew as with the african-american woman as the lead that i would get seen for more roles that i would normally get seen for and also there was just like um i felt i felt at home there's i'm i'm very close with my family and val is very nurturing and welcoming um and i was like oh great this will be at least I can have a sense of home while I'm here doing 45,000 hours of like acting training. So, yeah. And what kind of roles do you hope to get over your career? Um, there are so many bizarre roles that I want to do, like Cruella de Vil, Anastasia, um, Thumbelina. <laughs> like, um, I love to play queens. I'm kind of greedy, which is what I said in my other interview. I kind of want to do everything. I kind of want to play... Uh, the drug addict and the queen and the princess and the stepmom <laughs> and some men roles. I would love to play some Shakespeare male roles. Um, so yeah, I kind of want to play everything. <laughs> okay. Uh, and so your, your present moment, you are a rising star getting recognized by media. Your future is taking on roles of any kind. Tell me a little bit about just two and a half years ago, a little bit of your past Showing up in Seattle, trying to make it into the musical theater community here, what was it like? I think at first it was very difficult. Um, Seattle is a very small pool of performers. 
And if you don't know anyone, you don't know anyone. And if being in the master's program, you work at the school. So you don't have time to do outside productions. So And the, the school is an, a master's in acting, not a master's in musical theater. So, you know, I didn't work on singing really for the first year except for in voice class when we were like, oh, let's sing a song. So I, I And it made me really sad because I love to sing. And it's, you, it's very rare when people write songs for plays or put songs in plays. Um, and I've always been told my entire life that you have to choose. You can't be an actor and a singer. You have to be a singer or you have to be an actor. Um, so I think I had that going on in my head too. And there were not very many African-Americans in the theater, musical theater scene at all. Uh, I'm still trying to break into the musical theater scene right now. I'm like, Fifth Avenue, hey, I can sing. <laughs> um, yeah, it was it was a little daunting and I thought I would never ever work on singing, ever, honestly. I never thought I would sing when I was here. So it's like, I'm so grateful and it's shocking. I'm like, oh, people, I can sing, I can sing. And when did you start to realize that you would be allowed to to have it all, so to speak? I don't know. I think probably Hoodoo Love. I've practiced singing more than I've practiced acting. I've sung my whole life. Um, And so it's very easy for me to sing. And people often interpret that as me putting in more work with the singing than I do with my acting. But it's not that. It's just that I have a a muscle for singing and I have a different muscle than I'm still training right now for acting. Um, So it was just nice. It was nice to be able to do both of those. And Malika really wanted me to showcase my voice and my like rawest form, which is also something that most people don't want to hear. Like my raw church Baptist upbringing voice, Um, not my like opera, like musical theater girl, nasal voice. Um, So that was, yeah, it was it was awesome, and I, I felt very honored to be able to sing like a Baptist church girl in a play. Two and a half years ago, you moved to this very growing city. You're one of the the statistics of the thousand people per week that gets thrown around that are moving to Seattle these days. What was your initial thoughts on our on the city that you now call home? I initially was like, "It's so gloomy here," because <laughs> the, the first year it was dark all the time and it was so rainy, and And I also thought like, oh, the African-American community is so small here. But I lived in Santa Fe, New Mexico before I moved here, which was even worse. So I was I was like, oh, it's not as bad because Santa Fe is like less than one percent, which is like people would see me who were black. They would like walk up to me and like shake my hand. They'd be like, hi, how are you? And I'd be like, hi. Um, Seattle wasn't as bad, but I did find that I was like looking for community that didn't seem to really exist. Um, Yeah, and that was difficult. That was very difficult at first, just coming to a new city where the sun doesn't shine and me and my dogs, my best friend, like trying to figure it out. I was like, do I want to be an actor? I don't even know if I like this. I'm here all the time. It's raining. It's horrible. Um, And then the sun came out. (laughs) (laughs) The summer does it, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, What were your emotions like while you're looking for community here in Seattle? I was very frustrated I felt like mm, being in the program that we have and the way our program is constructed, we don't get to do simple things like go to the football games, um, go to the basketball games. And so it was very hard to even get into groups on campus. Like I couldn't really go to the Black Association meetings or Go Map or anything like that because it was like, oh, I have rehearsal, I have class, I have rehearsal, I have class. I don't have time to do anything else. Um, so it was very frustrating. And then... Malika, who was in 
um, the department, the director of Hoodoo Love. She had been here for a little while, so she knew some of the community, and that that kind of helped. Um, but it was not not until really last year and this year that I was like, oh, I know all the people. Um, but I do feel like more people started to come out of the woodworks when they started seeing more African-American people on stage in theater and, and just people of color. Like, I feel like I've seen a lot more like Latinas doing things and Asians and so on and so forth. Um, just like coming out and feeling like they can be a part of this community. I really think Malika paved the way for a lot of people because she's a black director who's all like everywhere. I'm um, in directing everything. So it was it was daunting, but it got better. And so how would you describe the level of diversity in the Seattle musical theater community? I mean, from what I've seen, almost non-existent. Like, I mean, I haven't seen a million of, like, a million musical theater shows here, but all the ones I've seen, it's like a black girl and a black man. There might be also a gay black man. And there might be an, there like might be an Asian, like, and I'm like, oh, okay, great. So, and I'm fortunate enough to where I grew up in a household where I was told I could do anything. And I really have stuck to that. So it doesn't discourage me in any way, but I do see it. I am kind of like, oh, well, maybe I can't be a part of that company. Well, maybe I'm not what they're looking for. Maybe I can't do that. Um, But yeah, I would say it's almost almost non-existent. It's getting better. It's getting better. The more and more I see like awards and people are like, oh, this is the show and this is the cast. I'm like, oh, okay. I think that Shakespeare is way more diverse right now than the musical theater. And yeah, stage plays are more diverse than the singing portion. And I wonder why that is. I don't know. Yeah, I wonder. And so your impression is that there's not a lot of diversity in the musical theater um, and you're not going to let that stop you from pursuing your dreams but how how do you react to that impression? Or I think I feel sad for people who didn't grow up in a household where they were told they could do anything. Um, that's that's really I think what bothers me the most. Um, the I worry about the people and like have like an open heart for the people who don't have the um, upbringing that I had or the understanding of life that I have who see those things and they're like, oh, I can't do that. I'm not welcome there. Um, and a lot of a lot of it comes from I think I think African Americans don't necessarily have musical training and like um just like raw music training, like music theory training, and that discourages a lot of people cuz you go into a room full of people who went to private school and like have sung opera their whole life and like they read sheet music like right off the bat, but that doesn't take away from their talent and a lot of people don't know that when they think musical theater and they they see a show and they hear a type of voice and think, oh, my voice couldn't do that. And that's not the case. It's just that they have never heard your voice in that and they never thought of you and you can make them think of you. Um, but it's also very frustrating to have to be like, oh, they never thought of you because that is, yeah, it's just like hard to swallow. It's a hard pill to swallow. Like, oh, no one ever thought a, a little black girl could do this. And... I definitely can, and I could definitely be great at it, and I am not shy, and I don't care if I can't read the music because my voice is banging, and I can sing the part. So, uh, yeah. If you could speak to the mayor of Seattle. <laughs> okay. And you would like 
the government to do one thing that could help you and or musical theater, what would you ask? It all comes back to opportunity. I really think I would just ask for funding and opportunity because that that's really, I think, for artists, that's all we need. We just need a space and we just need a check <laughs> so that we can take 10 hours out of our day and make something awesome and put it up. And I do think some things should be specifically geared towards people of color because that'll get them in the room because there is, um, I don't know. I think there's like a lack of focus in that way. It's kind of like broad. Everyone's like, oh, well, everyone can audition and la, 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 la. But it's like when you, they don't account for people who don't feel like they can audition. But if someone was like, hey, I'm looking for four black actresses who can sing jazz, go. There, I bet you every black girl who could eat, sing would be like, okay, I can do it. Um, yeah, so I think I would ask for funding and opportunity, just like space, space and money, just like any other business and any other thing, because I think people like to go see art and they like to criticize art, but they don't really understand the hours and hours and hours and hours of work that people put into doing a play or a musical. It's like, I have to sing and move <laughs> and talk <laughs> and look good and not mess up my hair, not mess up my makeup. <laughs> like It's a lot. And I don't think people realize it because they're like, oh, you do it so easily. It's like, no, 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 no. I trained my whole life <laughs> to do this. Just like you trained your whole life to be a mayor. I trained my whole life to be an actor and a performer and I deserve to be paid and I deserve the opportunity. So, yeah. <laughs> and if you can get a message out to the people of Seattle, uh, whether they've been here for decades or they're one of the many people moving in, what would you say or ask of them? Look outside the box. There's a, it's a small theater community and a small community. And just, I feel like everything in Seattle is kind of like in a bubble. Everyone lives in their little area. Everyone goes to their school. Everyone stays on their street. Um, and I just want to say like, uh, dig a little bit for people dig like ask like okay I've seen I've seen Portia do five different shows and I've already seen her do that who else is out there who are Portia's friends like who does who else does Portia know and that will bring in more people because even though people aren't trained raw talent is talent and you can always shift it and mold it and use it in any way that you can so I just want to encourage people to dig and not just cast the same people that they have already seen they're like oh I know he's good at text let's cast him you're like, no, he, he made $20,000 last year on theater. I've made none. <laughs> like, so, yeah, just look outside the box. Any concluding thoughts? Thank you for having me. And I hope this reaches some people that um, need some encouragement. Yeah. Portia, thank you very much for joining me. I appreciate your time and perspective today. Thank you so much, Jeff. To get further insight into what it is like to take the stage in Seattle's musical theater scene, join me as I sit down with rising actor Andre Brown. I'm here with Andre Brown, an actor who had a star-making role in Who Do Love just recently here in Seattle, does musical theater and also acting without song as well. Andre, thank you for joining me today. Oh, you're welcome, man. Uh, so I kind of spoke a lot about you, but tell me a little bit about yourself. Uh, let's see. Uh, I am um, an actor. I've been acting for since I was 11. 
um, wanted to come out to Seattle because I auditioned some years ago for the MFA program here for MFA programs like throughout the country. And uh, UW has like a phenomenal like top school. And so that's why I decided to come to Seattle. But prior to I was a drama teacher in a high school. I was a drama teacher in a middle school. So I worked in New Jersey, worked in New York. Then I taught middle school in Washington, D.C. before coming out here. And what were your impressions of Seattle beyond just the university that you're getting your degree in? Uh, Frasier. Whatever, you know, whatever that song is. Yeah, just Frasier and wet. And then I kept thinking, are there black people out there? (laughs) (laughs) Things like that. But uh, indeed there are. (laughs) It is very wet. But it's a beautiful day today. So So tell me a little bit about when you arrived here back in 2015. I arrived in July. So it was gorgeous. My brother and I did like a trek from Philadelphia. But when I got here, it was beautiful. It was like 70, 80 degrees, sun shining, like hilly, like the landscapes. It was breathtaking. So I loved that. And I was like, all right, okay, I could do this. And it was just green and lush. So I was like, wow, this is like really cool. And also when we were like driving through one of the interstates, like coming into town, it was like we were like it was a mountain on one side, a mountain on another side, like tree. It was just really like like awe inspiring. And so I was just kind of like excited. I had a lot of nerves like about the program and whether I was going to like measure up, you know, um, and and just kind of be able to like do this. I came in as a 35 year old graduate student. So I was like, I'm super old. Everybody else was like. 10, 12, 13 years younger than me. So I just had like tons of fears, but definitely the landscape. And after just those few months, like once October, I remember like once I remember it missed and I was like, oh, this is cool. Oh, it's misty today. And it got a little dark. And I was like, oh, the sun's not out today. And then like the next day, like it missed again. I was like, oh, the sun's not out today. And then like another, and then it just didn't stop. And the rain like got so, and then I was like, Oh, I've been tricked. And I would go to school and it was like the dark clouds, you know, begin to like, you know, cover me. And I was just like, oh, my God. And I I think it was the weather mixed with the fact that that program um, at, at, uh, at the School of Drama is just so rigorous that I literally was just like, uh, I'm slowly like depressed and like an- anxious. Um, so that happened. Um, but then the spring came and things like could lift a little bit. Talk to me about Who Do Love. How did you get the role and what did it mean to you at the time? So the play is uh, just a four-person play, all African-American actors, um, two women, two men. And so uh, the character that I ended up playing, Ace of Spades, was a rambling blues man, plays the harmonica, plays the guitar. Um, I had seen the play about five, six years ago in Philadelphia when I lived there. And then one of the former directing students who graduated from our program, she was actually directing this project and thought it would be like, you know, like just kind of did an all call. Hey, you know, African-American actors, you know, who can sing, come out and do this audition. And so I went out. For me, it wasn't really about the music as as much as I just kind of fell in love with as I was reading it for the, during the audition, just kind of fell in love with this character. Something just like jumped off the page. And it's rare that that happens. But when that happens for me as an actor, it's like, oh, my God, I've already made the connection. So I don't have to do so much like homework. Not not that I'm like against like doing, you know, homework and research and stuff for the character. But there's some sometimes things just resonate with you. And, and that character had resonated with me. And I love, love jazz and 
just kind of like a huge lover of 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 songs that are and music that's composed that feels very soulful, but not soulful in a way that just is like what you experience in church, but just feels like a current of like I can't stop. I've got to get this out. I'm, you know what I mean, and a little bit of artistry, of course, you know, but like more so like this just kind of opening of the soul. And and that I like when musicians and, and and of course actors are just kind of like a conduit for that. It just kind of like moves me in a way. So, Hoodoo Love was a a meshing of all of that, and uh, and I was just like really blessed to do it. I mean, they didn't have a huge budget, and I was like, oh man, I'm gonna be working on this play. Like the play didn't go up till the beginning of August, but. We were working on it starting in June and those rehearsals, we were rehearsing like six days a week for like six to eight hours. And it was serious. It was like nudity. There was it was super graphic and all of that. And I was just like, this is a lot for however much I'm getting paid, like this little bit. And I can't really I can't manage to get like a job, you know, and the things that we do as artists. But the rewards and the benefits and people like calling me from theater companies saying, hey, saw you in Hoodoo Love, want you to come audition has been outstanding. So tell me about some of those things that it led to. So I just worked at Seattle Rep. Um, It was a short, like, four to five day um, workshop musical reading. Can you just explain what a workshop musical reading is? Sure. So so that is um, if a writer is working on something or a collaborative team, that would be like a director uh, pairing with a a writer, a well-known writer. Um, Cheryl West uh, wrote a play called Play On uh, several years ago. I mean, she's written tons. She's written for TV. So she and her sort of collaborator, Randy Johnson, who they're phenomenal like people, and they got together. He said, hey, I, I got this book um, called Shout, Sister, Shout. When creators are like, oh, this may go to Broadway, they just start out small. Like they start out doing these readings so they would find a writer. So this is Cheryl West and this Randy Johnson as the director. They would come together. He'd say, hey, I've got this book. Read this book. I want to get the rights to maybe do a play on Rosetta Tharp. Um, You write the script. We'll come together. We'll we'll read it, you and I. Then we'll get just some actors. It doesn't matter. They don't need to be the actors that will actually do it. We'll get together. We'll sit in a room and let's just hear it. We hear it. Hey, I've got a question about this scene. I've got a question about this other scene. I've got a question about this piece in Rosetta's life that I don't feel like is in there or you know, and then they, you know, talk about it. She does some edits, come back, and it keeps going through that until it until it then you can bring it to like a theater and you can actually do it for an audience but all of the actors are literally at music stands and the full script is in front of them and they're reading you know the words off the page and giving it to the audience and seeing seeing hearing feeling the response so randy was there cheryl was there a bunch of actors they had already done this as a full play in pasadena um at at like pasadena playhouse and so about half of those actors that actually performed uh, Shout, Sister Shout, which is um, the, the play I'm talking about, um, they brought it here to workshop it some more. And that is just kind of fine tuning like what they did in Pasadena. And it only is ultimately is for a life beyond what we're going to do, but really trying to like smooth out, out the rough edges so that perhaps Broadway folks would be interested or perhaps Seattle rep would be interested or whoever. And so L.A. actors, um, myself, um, another um, classmate of mine, Bria Henderson, all, you know, we got together. We just got a call. 
And I imagine I got the call because of Who to Love. I'm sure it was. So do you get paid for a workshop? Uh, yeah. Well, if, depending on the house. So, I mean, and what I mean by like like the theatrical house, just kind of that budget. Um, and so I did. I, I did. I, I almost got as much as I got for, for, for Who to Love. <laughs> it's funny that you should say that. But yeah, which is funny, right? Because Who to Love is like a two, three, two and a half month like journey. And then that was like four or five days um working on shout sister shout but but they literally called me and it was like you don't have to audition it's literally a reading but we will be singing so we're we're doing you know the scenes and at the in at the beginning and the ends of each scene there's a song there's like a musical a full-on musical like half gospel half rock and roll musical number which like my throat is bleeding by the end no <laughs> because even with all of like the training that i've got in terms of like being a vocalist and you know an actor you know, I forget, like all of it goes out the window sometimes when I'm like, you know, uh, I'm gonna lay down my burdens down by the riverside, you know, and I'm just screaming, giving it all I can, you know. And then at one point, you know, at one point I had to play like Little Richard because like I was saying he was inspired um, by by Rosetta. And um, I'm, you know, screaming, you know, I got shoes, you got shoes, all got children got shoes, you know, I'm just going crazy. And I'm just like, oh, poor throat, you know, and um um, I'm sure all my professors would be like, but we've spent three years, you know. But, you know, I just go back to my roots when we're when we're talking about that and singing, you know, that kind of song. I just feel like mm, I got to give it all I can. I can't do this. Uh, you know, uh, you know, whatever the, <laughs> whatever that musical stuff is. So, yeah, it's been really good. And then I've gotten tons of auditions out here. Let's talk about trying to become a musical actor here in Seattle, where are the places that you could ever get a job that will help you pay some bills? Mm, uh, definitely Fifth Avenue, which is great. Since I've been here, I've got musicals that are about black life, musicals, you know, and I just think they're they're doing a great job. And you can earn a living wage, a thousand bucks a week, or a little bit over a thousand bucks a week for being a principal. I'm sure like up to that almost up to that for being like in the chorus um, in terms of musicals of course Vill Villagers and Issaquah they have Issaquah and then um, Everett their locations uh, they just did Dreamgirls and uh, which I should have auditioned for but I was in school um, but uh, and it was hugely successful and that employed actors for my god four or five months something like that that's incredible and then of course Seattle Rep is on, in the Heights so you can make a great you know wage there and they're a uh, lord like theater which is like part of the league of regional theaters so that if you're in the union you really you know you get your insurance weeks and that's terrific i think i mean those are the th three theaters i think act of course if they're doing musicals or however they budget it in in the uh, season i think that you can also you can do really well i think that um it's not it's not new york here which is to say that when I did live in New York and I went out for musicals, I mean, there were men there that were like buff and like thin, but like, it's like, wow, you don't have like any, there's like no body fat, like 0%, like negative 10% body fat and like just muscles popping out and can sing and can dance. And I mean, you know, like the triple threat, <clears throat> but I mean, and so that was always when I was like younger, that was always like, wow, man, like. I, I do have the soul, I have the energy, I have the charisma, but I'm like, I don't know if I can dance like that, or I don't know if I can, like, just, I I still like pizza, you know what I mean? 
and pasta and stuff. So like, <laughs> but um, here is a really been a, a great place. It's a great place as an artist to grow. It's a great place as an artist to, and how you grow is by failing time and time again. And I think that that's, and that can't be said of everywhere, that you can go somewhere, you can like bomb, and then you can like come back and try again. I want to talk more about Seattle and the musical theater community. What is the soul of the Seattle music community as you could see it in your brief time here, two and a half years? What What's your impressions of Seattle's musical theater community soul? Oh, man, I think it's explorative. I think it is dynamic. I, I joined this church in the Central District, this Baptist church. I love it so much because of the music. And those musicians, all like African-American, you know, guys, they're so connected to the community. I hadn't known. Like, I would go, I you know, like one guy I was hanging out with, he was a drummer. And then he was like performing in Columbia City and like performing here. And I would just kind of like be his like groupie. Like, I'd be like, oh, hey, Paul, I want to just hang out with you and da, 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 da. And then like I could jump on stage and just start singing with them. And like just, I didn't know the song. We were just like jamming. And then I was working on a solo show and another guy from my church. So they just don't, they just aren't church musicians is all to say. And and he was like, he helped me. I like, he was like, oh, I have my own studio. I was like, you do? Oh, this is cool. And so he like tracked some things for me, um, some original music and some other like well-known tunes. And I played that as a soundtrack for one of my solo shows I did here. I think it's dynamic. I think it just goes back to what I was just saying, which is about working on your art, working on your music, exploring, being creative, trying things. And there's something about this music scene that even when I go to like music events, it's a little raw. It's a little like the the edges aren't smooth. And I like that. I think that's why a lot of artists are drawn here. I think musicians are drawn here and even like birthed here um, is because like, they can try anything. It's not that box. It's not like I want to be perfect. Seattle musical theater community, would you say it's more collaborative or competitive? It feels supportive. It doesn't feel competitive. It doesn't feel like that kind of market. Yeah, not from my like vantage point. Do you have any examples of feeling supported by somebody who might take the part that you would want? Or... Oh, yeah. I mean, as recent as Shout Sister Shout and being in that workshop, I felt I felt so much support like when I just did that Seattle rep uh, reading. Even like seasoned actors that I recognized from other places were like, oh man, you guys were like, that was it. And I'm like, y'all could, you know, like, I don't know, I'm grateful for, you know, being in the room with, you know, professionals and people that have been working, you know, um, but nothing but like support and good things to say. Even when I did Hoodoo Love and I was up there and I'm like, and it was like a, you know, like a really wild ride of a play. And afterwards, I got, like, so many compliments from people that, yeah, that auditioned, I'm sure. Like, you know, black actors, uh, black musical theater actors. I mean, I was seeing a lot of, like, black actors in the area, and they are just... It, it feels like family. And 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 I'm and I'm like saying black actors in particular, but really the artistic uh, community feels very like, hey, we're here. If you don't get it, at least one of us did. You know, because when Seattle Rep, villagers um when these larger uh theatrical houses have auditions especially like a musical like in the heights or matilda they can audition they have to audition i believe legally in new york as well you know they have to have the what's called epas um which are like the principal equity principal auditions they need to have them in new york and then they also have them they can have them at their theater for the local professional actors and um and so they could just hire a bunch of New York actors and fly them in, house them. All of them have like little, you know, Seattle Rep owns like housing and da 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 da. But 
and and so it really is about a celebration of us and um and once you've been in it for six months your family so you mentioned that when you first were coming here you were curious as to whether there were african-americans in seattle (laughs) (laughs) yeah how's how has it been finding an african-american community here and and what does that mean to you (laughs) it's been it, it actually has been such a delight it really has um I joined I joined the Baptist Church. I was like I need this kind of music. I need this like unbridled passion and I need to see black folks. And um I got that. And then I started like, you know, hanging out with this one guy or hanging out with this one, you know, girl and like they'd take me here, they'd take me there and I would be introduced to another and I'd say, "Oh, oh, oh, we're everywhere. Okay, cool." You know, like that's that's kind of like what happened and then our classes, unlike probably any class of, of a cohort of um, act, MFA acting students, and that there are four African-Americans. There's a class of six, four African-Americans, and two are white. And it is incredible. I mean, we're a family. It was really nice to have. It was really nice to be understood in that way. Because often you can go, I mean, especially in one would think in Seattle, you're going to be like like a M&M in, you know, sea of you know, non-colored in M&Ms, you know what I mean? And um, and it, it just it just never felt like that. And so you said that you want to see other black people. Why does that matter to you? That's a great question. I mean, because there is this thing that it's like, you get me. Oftentimes, I think when a black person is just in a sea of, of folks that are not black, or you just really like white folks, it's kind of this feeling of like, no, nobody can see me. Nobody, nobody really understands me. You know, I have to kind of perform and I have to pretend and I just can't like, you know what I mean? Like just be myself and be okay with that. You know what I mean? Um, and, and I think that is really important. Um, it, I mean, of course we've been talking like a lot about like representation, like in the news and in the media. I mean, for years and years and years, but it is, it is, it is really, Basically, the kernel is about finding someone that you can connect with that can just see you and you don't have to like, you know, it just kind of helps you like, just be like, all right, I'm safe. You know, for a moment, I'm like safe. I don't always have to be like, wait, what did you mean by that? Wait, you know, and I, I mean, of course, it's just historic, historical that like black folks have got to live and, and people of color have, have got to live, you know, with their defenses up. Um, and so that is why that's that's really important. Um, now it's getting better. This like move towards like humanity, like you know, which is like what Dr. King talked about. You know, like you know, little black girls and little black boys sitting with little white girls and little you know white boys, like like that. We're all together. We all can sh- have a seat at the table. And um, I mean, I believe it's happening. And I think actually Seattle is doing a lovely job. It is happening in music and it is happening in arts. And and we do have to be very like specific. And it's not just like black folks. It is like people of color in general. It is about like the marginalized, the oppressed folks, you know, that are LGBTQ, um, you know, and folks that are trans. Like it is like starting to happen where it's like you're a you're a human. <laughs> you know what I mean? But it, we do have to work a little harder to make sure that we're welcoming do you have any concluding thoughts on Seattle and its musical theater community? I think it's an absolutely wonderful place to risk it all, to try something new, um, to be raw. And I feel like for people that may be like me, that may be like, I don't sit down and, not, and I'm not knocking it. 
Some people are like, I would like a song that sounds like this and I'm going to write it. I'm going to plug it down. And then there are those people that like don't quite fit that mold. And if you're that kind of person, I do think like this is a great place to be a little unique, to be a little bit of a maverick, to not fit in um, and, you know, and try something new. And, and I and I, I did that. I, I risked a lot coming here and I'm leaving with a lot. Andre, thank you very much for joining me today. I appreciate your time and perspective. Thank you. That is all for today's episode of Seattle Growth Podcast. Have an opinion to share? Reach out to me on Twitter, at Prof Shulman. I love reading your perspective and reactions to the episodes. Please also subscribe to Seattle Growth Podcast in iTunes so you don't miss a single episode. Next week, we continue the look at the past, present, and future of Seattle's music scene by shining the spotlight on people who are using music to build a better future for the city of Seattle. You'll hear from Curtis Ramju, who started First Aid Arts. Seattle was a perfect spot for this because if you think about it, so it's like a music city and then also it's Bill Gates' hometown. It's like philanthropy and tech as well as the music industry. And so it has been a perfect spot for First State Arts um, because it's a place where, again, rich in the arts and the arts are valued. And then also um, philanthropy and then innovation has, has also been a big part of the tech industry. You'll also hear from Levi and Stephanie Ware who started the Melodic Caring Project. For me, music is about so much more than the money you invest. You know, it's about the shared experience. It's about the connection with the audience. I've seen music cross cultural boundaries, language boundaries, age boundaries. I mean, there's music is incredibly powerful. Combined, these interviews will give you perspective on how Seattle's music community has impacted the community at large. I hope you'll join me next week. And in the meantime, I'm Jeff Shulman, and I thank you for joining me on this journey in the fourth season of Seattle Growth Podcast.